Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, giving leaders the tools and information they need to grow and change their world. Now here's your host, Dale Dixon. Managing emotions. Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, everything you need to become a high-performing leader. I'm your host, Dale Dixon, and we're back in the swing of things. We took a bit of a break in 2020, and uh, now in 2021, Ron Price, author of The Complete Leader, Growing Influence, so many more books. Uh, So good to be with you today. Dale, it's good to be back with you again, too. So this podcast, everywhere your favorite podcasts are played, also online at thecompleteleader.org in video form. So if you'd like to watch, uh, go to the website, take a look at that. We're starting this idea of leading self. In our last episode, we talked about managing time during the conversation. Um, quick recap, Ron. Let's just recap for the folks the the importance really of starting the day well and the impact that has on managing our time. Yeah, at least it gives you a good beginning. There's one part of the day that you can control. So many of us get interrupted during the day and things outside of our control, but this is a time that you can completely own and it gets you a good start. Uh, so th- that that's not all of time management, but it's a good place to begin. But really, time management boils down to understanding what's important to be doing and then organizing and executing around those priorities and to be able to win one day at a time over a period of a career, you can accomplish a lot. So today we transition into managing our emotions. And this is something I know I really want to be working on myself as I look around me and see that uh, there's a lot of chaos and emotional turmoil around me. And I want to make sure that I always respond well, and I don't react to my circumstances. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this as we have uh, today's conversation about managing our emotions. Well, I, I, I've got some bad news and then some good news. Okay. The bad news is that we're all born without the ability to manage our emotions. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, this development of the emotional self-control is a part of the human maturity continuum. We we just had a new granddaughter born a couple months ago, and um, she's learning how to express herself. And of course, she's expressing herself emotionally, and it's always based on what's happening outside of her. It's either a wet diaper or it's some noise or something that one of her siblings did that she didn't like, or it's all reacting to the external environment. And we were made that way. There's nothing wrong with that. It's the way that we were built to interpret and predict what's happening around us and to respond or react accordingly. But part of moving from childhood to adult is is learning how to begin to control those emotions and then to understand both the positive and the negative aspect of emotions. Emotion, this is one of the things that as a man in business, I misjudged uh, earlier in my career. I was what would probably be described as a stoic. The idea of a stoic is that you, you cut off your emotions. Emotions don't have a place at work. And what you're really doing is depriving yourself of a lot of energy when you cut off your emotions. So there are, there are what we would normally consider positive emotions like optimism and enthusiasm that we call motivation or engagement. And we, we love to see those in employees that we have, and we love to see those in ourselves. 
We don't always know how to get them when they're missing, but we recognize them as positive. But then there are also emotions that we often interpret as negative. So they're discouragement, um, sometimes criticism. And I, I don't mean good constructive or objective criticism, but a tendency to gossip or criticize or somehow feed our ego by tearing somebody else down. Those are what we would say are negative emotions. And, and they usually show up as either frustration or anger. Those are the two big ways that we see things happening. So learning how to lead ourselves includes learning how to lead our emotions. And it begins by becoming more aware of what's going on inside of us and not just shutting it off, not just pretending it doesn't exist, but first become aware of it. And you know, Dale, that this has traditionally been referred to as emotional intelligence. A lot of people, if you ask them to define emotional intelligence, they would say somebody who doesn't have a temper tantrum all the time. Yeah, it's probably true, but it's not all of what emotional intelligence is. There are two parts to it. One is how, what we do with our own, own emotions, and the other is how do we understand and interact with other people's. So when I think about leading myself emotionally, it really always begins with self-awareness. Do I understand what I'm feeling? Can I, can I describe it? Can I can I identify, I mean, to some extent, can I categorize it? Um, when I'm thinking about this myself, I think of positive and negative. So the positive emotions I think of are love, joy, and hope. Love to me is an emotion that has to do with relationships. I know we can say, I love this cup of coffee, or I love this car, or this Dale would say, I love my motorcycle. But that is a different kind of love. When I think of love as an emotion, I'm thinking about a, a sense of connection and common value or interest with the people that I'm interacting with. When I think of joy, I connect joy to accomplishment or achievement. It's that we said we we're going to do something. We did it. Now let's celebrate it. I'm glad for what I got done today. And when I think of hope, I'm thinking about the future. Am I going to look for the good in the future? Am I going to anticipate and expect it? Am I going to prepare myself for the good in the future? So those are the positive emotions. And I'm, I'm, when I'm trying to better lead myself, I'm wanting to be aware of to what extent are one or more of those emotions present in me today at this moment. And then I have four emotions. I call these primary emotions. So if you think about primary colors, we create all of our other colors from these. Or primary numbers, we create all of math from these numbers. So I think of these as primary emotions. The four negatives are sadness, envy, anger, and fear. So sadness is a sense of loss. Sadness is something that I feel because something isn't working out. I feel like I've lost something in a relationship or in a goal that I set or in something happening around me. Envy is where I get stirred up in a negative way because of something somebody else has. And I begin to, this inner voice says, that's not fair that they have it and I can't, or why can't I have what they have? They just got a new boat. Why can't I have a boat? Or it's a lot of what drives the materialistic approach to life, which is not all bad, but it's also not all good. And then Anger is when I'm frustrated because something isn't working out the way I think it should, or somebody's not behaving the way I think I should. And so essentially in anger, I'm making a judgment 
against a situation or against a person. And fear is where I'm insecure about what the future might be. I'm insecure about what might happen to me. I, I've not, I'm not a person who's given to fear that much, but one of the times I really learned a lot about fear, I was, a, uh, my son, my oldest son was a senior in high school and we went on a trip into Montana together. We decided uh, without any preparation to hike the Great Northern Peak, which is right on the edge of Glacier National Park. And um, we weren't prepared properly for it. I was wearing shorts. We got up to the top of the mountain and it was pretty cold and pretty windy. And we were walking on this goat path that was maybe oh, maybe 15 inches wide. And either side of it dropped off about 1500 feet or more. So if I tripped or if I did something that I, I did not plan on doing, I could potentially putting, be putting my life at risk. We got to the top of that peak and we could look over into Glacier National Park and I was scared. I was scared because I was cold, because I was beginning to cramp up, because I didn't know if I could get down that mountain. And my son was great. He just kept, he comforted me then later. He laughed at me, but then he comforted me and said, you could do it. And, and we, we went back down. We, this was a ridge that went on for probably three quarters of a mile before we started descending. I had to back down that mountain. My, my knees were so sore. This was what scared me was I, I, could see, I could see myself physically failing and that introduced fear of what might happen if my, one of my legs collapsed. So that's fear and that's a negative emotion. It kept me from wanting to go up in a, on a trail like that again in the future. So it's a bit of a tangent, but we've got these emotions. The first step to leading yourself emotionally is to, to how, how specifically, how precisely do you understand what you're feeling right now? So this, this is where you begin to control it. Let's talk through this and and connect some dots because you, you talked about this this you, you thought you think you might have been a stoic earlier on in not necessarily recognizing. So for those of us who have been in that place, uh, I relate to that. Um, don't pay attention to the emotions, get the job done kind of approach. When, but understanding and realizing the power of emotions, especially when you approach it the way you're, you're explaining, what are some of the switches that we can start or knobs and dials we can start to turn in order to transition from that stoic approach to a, okay, what am I feeling right now? Why am I feeling it? And what's my response to this? Well, I have some ideas. They may or may not work, but I would I would build that list of those seven emotions. We've got love, joy, and hope, sadness, envy, anger, and fear. And I would look at that list maybe at the end of a week and say, when where did I have an experience of love this week? Where did I have an experience of sadness this week? And try to look. I do this by looking at my calendar and and trying to identify where certain emotions were present. You could do that weekly. You could do it daily. You could do it at the end of each day it would only take you three or four minutes to think through that day and where did one of these emotions show up? And when somebody really wants to devote some more energy and effort to it, I ask them to put a reminder in their phone once an hour that pops up and says, what are you feeling right now? Mm -hmm. So it's like a task, but it's a reminder that pops up. And in that moment you pause and you ask yourself, what am I feeling? 
we we tend to understand and experience the extremes when we have extreme joy or when we have extreme fear, like the story I told you. We're aware of that, but we tend to try to subdue that or minimize that at work. Oftentimes at work, what ends up happening is where there are extreme negative emotions, they've been triggered by something or someone else. You lost a deal or or uh, you sat in a meeting that you hated because it felt like the meeting was a waste of time or you spent time with somebody who didn't listen at all. They talked nonstop and you got irritated at them or you have a boss who's a micromanager or you have employees that don't seem to ever follow through on what you ask them to do. These are things that trigger us. And in that case, it may be anger or it may be sadness or, it, but you, you, send a reminder to yourself every hour during the day to say, what am I feeling right now? And over time, because you're paying attention to it, you become more aware. Um, I like metaphors. Metaphors help me remember things better. So for me, the metaphor for this is when digital cameras first came out, they were 2.1 megapixels and they were all the rage. I remember spending $500 to get my wife a digital camera but today we would not even dream of getting a digital camera with 2.1 megapixels because the latest iPhone is 12 megapixels. Unless you're using panorama, if you're using panorama on an iPhone, it's 22 megapixels. Dale, the difference between 2.1 megapixels and 12 or 22 is the depth of perception. It's the detail. It's the precision. It's how much more you can ex you can enjoy and experience that picture. And I think of that in terms of understanding understanding your emotions. I think a lot of us only understand our emotions at 2.1 megapixels. So how do we get it to 12 megapixels? How do we add more texture, more nuance, more awareness, and these different exercises that I suggested are ways that I think you can do that. But awareness grows gradually over time. You don't just go from no awareness to total awareness. You have to build it step by step by step, and you really have to practice it. I'm just one other story because this is, I don't know, maybe other people think I'm a little silly and getting senile. I took piano lessons when I was young. Actually, I was forced to take piano lessons when I was young. And as I reflect back on that now, I realize that at the lesson, I gained knowledge. But during the week when I practiced, I gained skill. My piano teacher could always tell whether or not I had practiced. And it wasn't based on whether I could read the notes or I knew the time signature or I knew the dynamics, which is the, the volume that you're playing. It wasn't... It, I knew all those things. I could tell her that this was supposed to be pianissimo or this was supposed to be a C or this was supposed to be a D flat. I could tell her the knowledge, but whether or not I could actually do it depended on the practice, what I did during the week. And developing this control of your emotions is the same thing. We can talk about it, but you don't develop the ability to actually manage them until you practice. All right, so... That's a perfect segue. We talked about awareness. Management is next on the list. Yeah, now it's it's how do you um, understand how to use those emotions as your friend? So it's identifying an emotion that could be helpful or emotion that could be harmful. And then how do I manage or redirect that emotion? 
Um, most people who teach about emotional intelligence spend their time teaching you how not to blow a fuse. They teach you how not to have a temper tantrum or something. And that's true. But I actually believe that great emotional intelligence is that you understand positive emotions that can be put you at risk as well as negative emotions. They don't say blind with love for no reason. What they're saying is this positive emotion that's love can sometimes cloud your judgment. And so I, for me, my weakness is I am a natural optimist. And that leads me to what we talked about in an earlier podcast over commitment. So I have to be careful of my optimism being an emotion that gets out of control, that goes too far. And in the same way, I have to recognize negative emotions that can, I have a good friend who, who can get very angry very fast when somebody does something that he considers disrespectful. We have to learn how to manage both of those. So you, you first want to understand what causes it. And you do that sometimes by, again, creating some kind of a diary of your emotional experiences. Secondly, you need to think about how do I arrest that before it manifests itself into an inappropriate behavior? So you're thinking about, uh, Stephen Covey referred to this as creating space between stimulus and response. And that we demonstrate our character by how we manage that space. Some people are born with this much space between stimulus and response. Some people are born with this much space. We have to, and for those that are listening, I've got my hands together, so we've got no space, or my hands far apart, we've got a lot. We have to understand what our space is and how we're going to best manage that so that we don't respond or react based on the disruptive emotion, but we respond according to our values, according to how we want to show up. So this is all a part of how we're developing our ability to manage our emotions. And then the last part is now the positive part, what we refer to as motivation and emotional intelligence. How do I use that to fuel me? How do I use that to build resilience and flexibility? How do I use that to build consistency so that over time I do greater things because I'm using emotion as a source of energy for my engine? It's it is, it's a fact of life and it's, you can either ignore it or you can put it to work. I can put it to work for me. Yeah. And we're all born with some certain tendency emotionally. And then we all have to learn how to manage whatever tendency we've been given. So some of us have to speak less often. Some of us need to speak more often. Hmm. Some of us need to ex exhibit more patience. Some of us need to be willing to express anger from time to time. So even though we refer to these as negative emotions, every emotion we have has an appropriate place to be expressed. We just want to be more intelligent and more adult in thinking about how we do that. Great challenge for us this week. So I would, I would challenge our viewers and our listeners to start creating the lists write out those emotions that uh, that Ron gave us and start watching for them and how they play out in your life. That's a great, a great start. Uh, yeah, Dale, this, Dale I think week. with a lot of leaders, they, they, um, they just don't see the role that emotion should be playing in how they lead. And so they miss opportunity. They either uh, miss opportunity because they're not as influential because they're overexpressing emotions that hurt them or they're missing opportunity because they're not seeing how they can use emotions in a productive way, in a, in a powerful way to inspire and direct and 
help in the work that they're doing with others. So yeah, one last thing before we finish today. Um, one of the things that we've pivoted on for 2021 going forward, and it's really the, the last big project I think that I'm going to take on in my career that will be multi-years in completing. And that is that with the completeleader.org or .org, we've turned that into a community where you can subscribe to be a part of the community. There's a very, very nominal fee for an annual subscription. And we're doing three live programs every month for everybody who's a part of the community. And then we have all of, we've got over 700 resources, including these podcasts or videocasts. We've got a skills assessment. But we've decided that we're going to do three things with this community. First, we're going to build globally respected content around growing great leaders. Secondly, we're going to build a marketplace for buyers and sellers on leadership topics. So whether you're an individual or a team or an organization, we're bringing together a place where you can meet experts and you can engage with them. You can build a conversation with them and decide if they can help you achieve what you want in life. And the third thing that we want to do is we want to build a global community of people who share common interest and common values in growing great leaders. And last year, I was shocked to find out that we had people visit the completeleader.org from 116 different countries. So we want to serve those people better in the coming year. And so this is a part of how we reach out to people and say, come join our community. We'd love to support you on your journey, and we'd love to give you the opportunity to connect with other people who are also wanting to make a difference by the way they develop their own leadership capabilities. Absolutely. Ron, thank you for this. The website, The Complete Leader, all one word, thecompleteleader.org, where you can find all of the resources, 700 plus resources, you said. That yes, is that's right. impressive. That's a body of work. Yeah, it's, it's hard to believe, Dale, but we've got over 100 podcasts that you and I have done together now. I know. I know. I was looking at the numbers that are uh, on, on the podcast app. Speaking of which, if you would like and hopefully leave a review for this podcast in your favorite podcast playing app, also check out the website, thecompleteleader.org. If you'd like to reach out to Ron and I, we'd love to hear from you. Ron Price can be reached via email at ron at price-associates.com. You can reach me, info at daledixonmedia.com. We'd love to hear from you. Feedback on this episode, what you'd like to hear from us in the future. And with that, I will say this is the Complete Leader Podcast. Everything you need to be a become a high-performing leader, all the resources. Have a great week. Next week, we are back talking about this idea of leadings, leading oneself and leading others as well. Quick preview, Ron. Yeah, well, um, this is an interesting transition in people's career because a lot of times when people get supervisory opportunities or they get to lead a team, they tend to use the same skills they develop for leading themselves. And that won't get you the greatest result. It's another set of skills that we'll start talking about next week. All right. We look forward to it. Thank you so much, Ron Price. This is the Complete Leader Podcast. Everything you need to become a high-performing leader. Have a fantastic week. Thanks for listening to the Complete Leader Podcast. Find more online, thecompleteleader.org.